0: Today's show is being brought to you by Cause Marketing Forum and SelfishGiving.com. And we want to thank our sponsor, one OneBillionShirts.org. Custom t-shirts that help others. Print with them, and 25 cents from every t-shirt benefits a good cause.
1: And remember, you can find Cause Talk Radio on Stitcher Smart Radio as well as iTunes. Leave us a comment at either one of those platforms, and we'll send you a Cause Talk Radio t-shirt.
0: Hey everyone, this is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. I'm, of course, on the line with Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Hello. How are you doing today?
1: I'm excellent. I'm happy to you be know, here.
0: We got snow on the east. We've got snow I know too. You, you've got snow too. Isn't that unbelievable? I mean, it's always like raining out there, but you're actually getting some <laughs> snow. <laughs> that is true today. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Megan. It's nice to always have (laughs) such a great co-host for Cause Talk Radio. And on the line today, we have Michael Malakoff, And Michael is a former senior executive with Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, which we'll call uh, JDRF from now on. Um, And now he's a full-time consultant that helps organizations look at fundraising and organizational change. Hey, Michael, how's it going? Good Joe, uh, enjoying the
2: winter weather. That's right. Would you say you're in Cincinnati today? Uh, Today in Cincinnati and uh, was in New York City this morning and uh, yes, enjoying traveling with the snow.
0: That's right. (laughs) It always makes things entertaining, that's for sure. Hey, Michael, when I first talked to you and when you and I first started communicating over email, what I was really interested is not only in your background with JDRF, but your experience and your knowledge of how the landscape is changing for nonprofits and for fundraisers. Could you share with our audience perspective on that
2: sure Joe uh, you know uh, not to date myself because I know we always hate to get into uh, age especially uh, uh, especially when you've been around for a while but uh, yeah, don't talk to yeah, that it, way about Megan she's bad
0: she still thinks she's 19 Michael you know hey, don't we all still think yeah. we're 19 <laughs>
2: but uh, uh yeah no the the landscape has has changed dramatically in a, in a couple of ways in in that uh i i know having been in this industry now for for over 15 years is that you know for a, for a long time organizations were, were growing very rapidly your your large organizations having worked uh, at both March of dimes and JDRF mm-hmm. and uh, you know it seemed like we were on growth paths that would would never cease to end right. yeah. and you know all of that uh, I'd say there was certainly a blip when we had 9/11 mm-hmm. uh, and it impacted the economy for for uh, six months to a year but mm-hmm. but certainly since the downturn in the economy uh, that we've experienced over over the past uh, uh, five or six years uh, has has really impacted organizations in uh, how they raise money mm-hmm. and also uh, the level of funds that they're raising. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No. And it's. It, I mean, what do you think in terms of how a nonprofits adapting, how a fundraiser adapting to this kind of new reality that they have.
2: Well, you know, Joe. Uh, as I said, part of the landscaping ha- that has changed is is that there there were your what I'd call your, your baseline areas of revenue for for a nonprofit that included mm-hmm. things like uh, direct mail. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had major gifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had uh, event fundraising, yep. uh, and and you know those those were generally your mainstays uh, of of uh, fundraising. Mm-hmm. And you know as as more organizations became more sophisticated and jumped into these different areas, you know it, it became more difficult. And as organizations grew and added offices and events and programs around the country, it became more competitive competitive uh, but I think what what has really changed that organizations uh, need to focus on is, is just the advent of technology uh, within the nonprofit world I, I, as I said dating myself when I started, Uh, Everything was done manually. You communicated with the donor uh, either through the mail or on the phone and and or maybe at your events where they came with envelopes filled with cash and checks Mm -hmm. and and dropped them off at a desk.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, Michael, um, you know, Megan is so old that she actually had to follow leprechauns and look for uh, (laughs) treasure chests of gold. (laughs) I mean, that's a you know, true I mean... story. <laughs> so you shouldn't feel dated that way. But isn't that true, though, yeah. in the sense like, you know, I always tell that to um, Megan and Michael. And I talk to even my own kids about that. I say to them, then they laugh. And I say, when I first started my my career in nonprofit work. I didn't have a computer on my desk, How can yep. you know, you know, what I mean, you know, it, it's, it's kind of crazy. Although, you know, what's kind of interesting is in five or 10 years when my kids are, are in the workforce, they probably won't have a computer at their desk either. They'll have it all on a laptop and something that they carry around, uh, probably by then like a Google helmet or something. I
1: was going to say, yeah, they'll be all Google Glass.
0: Yeah, they'll be all Google Glass, yeah. Talk
1: talk a little bit about, Michael, some of the organizations that you see doing a good job integrating old school, new school technologies.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's a well. You know, I I guess it's probably hard for me to just uh, identify specific organizations. Obviously, I know that JDRF has done a a phenomenal job while I was uh, while I was there and and participated in that. But it just goes back that that you know when I did start is you know I I remember. to going into an office uh, uh, and watching, you know, the staff working on fundraising, sitting there taking paper registrations yep. and entering them into an Excel spreadsheet yep. and trying to figure out, is that an M or an N on that on that registration? And gee, let's see, the, the zip code only has four numbers. And yep. and I'm looking at that going, how archaic was that? Uh, and, and recognize that, that as technology was moving forward is just think if we could, uh, for example, at JDRF, that in their walk program that I managed for many years, there were several hundred thousand registrants. Mm-hmm. And just think if we could get them to enter in their own information on a computer so that we didn't have to do it and they'd enter it in correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, we could store all of that in one place. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, that's, uh, you know, the difference in today, uh, you know, if you're not using that type of technology, you're, you're definitely left behind. So yeah. what are, it, what are the,
1: some of the things that JDRF did while you were there that you felt like were steps in the right direction or potentially cutting edge or, you know, leading the charge as far as adopting technology to reach donors
2: more efficiently? Well I think uh, as I said when I, when I first got there, the first attempt was was just having people one was getting people to register online. Mm-hmm. and then two was the adaption of that within the organization because you know many people that had been in, in the business for, for a long time all of a sudden were saying, What do you mean we're not going to have the paper anymore? How are we going to store things? Mm -hmm. How do we look things up? So it it was both with the donor and also with with the staff, but moving forward – was quickly uh, adapting and then using technology, not just for registration, but then for fundraising. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and now that's what's really changed the marketplace because, you know, online fundraising, online donations, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's any secret to anybody. But uh, if if I can get you as a donor to pull out your credit card as opposed to writing a check or to hand over cash, is that using your credit card, you're going to be a lot more generous because it's a piece of plastic. That's and right. You don't think about it, right? You don't think about it, and and your donation is 10, 20% higher because you're using a credit card. Yeah, and think about, too,
0: Michael and Megan, too, at nonprofit events now, how much smartphones and tablets are playing a role. You know, you look at galas and auctions and runs and walks and rides and stuff like that, and how much more people are using smartphone and tablet technology for things like silent auctions and stuff like that.
2: Uh, you know, and and Joe, you just hit on a great point, and I think that's where we're headed right now. Is is one is is that as technology moves forward, I think mobile, uh, the mobile applications that organizations are going to mm-hmm. have to have to look at that because as we know, the younger generation does everything on their smartphones. Yeah, uh, you know that that's something, and if and if you're not you're not. Uh, 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 addressing that, um, you know, that's that's definitely going to be a challenge. But I also think that the other thing that technology has brought to the uh, forefront is what I call the ability to broaden revenue streams. Mm-hmm. And, and there are so many other things that you can add that complement your existing programs. In, in today's world of of trying to find new ways to raise money faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, than ever, is there are some really good opportunities out there that you can broaden things and, and do it in ways that are not taxing within the organization, meaning it doesn't require you to set up new events or add huge uh, uh, numbers of staff, but by taking care kick taking advantage of technology, uh, you can, you can actually raise, uh, additional funds very efficiently.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have a, a uh, Michael, do you have an example of that from a current client or with JDF, um, that you could share with us and our listeners?
2: Sure, absolutely. I'd say probably the first thing is what I call the uh, virtual peer-to-peer fundraising or what I would label third-party fundraising. Mm -hmm. You know, what do do I mean by that? Um, Is that – say you have a walk program. And uh you want your walkers to raise money and and donors want to raise money the way they want to do it at their that their their own pace mm-hmm. and and at j d Europe many times we would have people that they didn't want to just send email out. You know what yeah. we want to have our own family event we want to have. A backyard barbecue, or yep. you know, my husband's going to run a marathon and and mm-hmm. raise money, and and what we added was what we called uh, third-party fundraising, so that an individual uh, could participate maybe in the walk, but they could actually do their own event online using our system, raise yep. money. That way, mm-hmm. and it would go to say their family team or their or a company would want to do their own internal event yep. and be able to do it online. And we yep. were able to extend our technology to give them the ability to use our online fundraising. You know, board. it's so important too. And one of the things that Megan
0: and I talk a lot about on the show, Michael, is. Looking ahead, it's so important for nonprofits and businesses to give consumers and employees and people in general the opportunity to raise money in ways that they see fit, you know, in the sense that they're not so busy now be putting together the programs, but they're becoming the enablers, and, you know, we used yep. the example on the show, uh, Michael, uh, before, uh, talking about after the uh, Boston Marathon bombing, you know, you had these these pair of um, students at Emerson College and they worked with a uh, make-on-demand site in Milwaukee called Ink for the People, and they put together this t-shirt that I, they hoped to sell about 60 shirts. They ended up selling 59,000 shirts and raising a mm. million dollars. And it's just a great example of how a business and individuals can work together. But the great thing is, and Megan, you know this too, when you tap people's passions and interests and what they really want to do and what they want to really contribute, that's where the money is.
1: Absolutely, and that, I think, is the growing sector, and exactly what Michael brought up is people want to do things That's customized for them. Um, And I think what's interesting, I'm curious to know, Michael, if you've seen any examples of this in the marketplace, but for us on the show, we talk a lot about company cause partnerships. um, And we're just now starting to see some examples of, you know, kind of those two things meshing where companies are kind of joining in that ball game and participating mm-hmm. alongside consumers. So not yeah. only are they inviting consumers to participate, they're saying, hey, you know, maybe you and your backyard barbecue will raise money and maybe we'll match that donation amount. So it's yeah. I think that's a really
2: interesting evolution. Have you seen yeah. any of that, Michael? Yeah. Uh, yes. And, and, you know, you bring up another good point is, again, I label it as 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 third party fundraising is going even a step further is mm-hmm. just just what you said, Megan, where that t- in today's family uh, uh, structure, you know, you have generally two adults that are both working separate jobs, mm-hmm. uh, traveling a lot. Their kids are very active. They're very busy. And and just because an organization decides to have an event on a certain date at a certain location doesn't mean it fits into their schedule. That's right. And, And what you're also seeing is that people are saying, well, you know what, that doesn't work for me. But if you give me the tools, I'll do my own thing and give you yep. all the money. Yep. And, yep. and just what just what you're saying is is going to their company and saying, listen, I'm gonna climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And and um, this might sound ridiculous, but we had someone at J.D. Europe do that, and raise money that way, get mm-hmm. it matched, and the next thing you know is here's an individual that that uh, you weren't aware of now has become a donor and raises twenty five or thirty thousand dollars. For the organization, and and using this technology, the the other advantage, especially with your, what I'll call your smaller, medium-sized nonprofit, is that an organization can't have an office in every single town and city across the country. No. And if you don't have a presence in, in a, say, a mid-sized market, well, you're losing fundraising opportunities. And by using technology, you can engage those people in that marketplace to do their own thing, raise money, and then become engaged with your organization. And so this is what I've been spending my time on is is helping organizations take advantage of these type of uh, technology, this type of technology and fundraising.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and you bring up another really good example because. It, not only are companies wanting to give consumers more choice and allowing them to do what they want to do, but in a lot of cases, the companies are saying, and, and you know what, we're not going to designate a charity. So I think organiz- mm-hmm. nonprofit organizations have to work all the harder to assert themselves as the charity of choice, because, y- you know, again, with that consumer choice piece, you know, who's to say it's going to be JDRF? Maybe I want to donate to the animal charity or my local parks foundation or whatever it is. So you have to always be top of of mind is particularly if you don't have a local presence,
2: and 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 the advantage is that when you have an individual within that company or organization that wants to support you, is they they're on the inside of that organization, and and in many situations those organizations will support their own employees choosing their charities, yes, and 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 matching that, so so that gives you. uh uh, say an entrance into that organization where you might not normally have uh, a tie-in or as you said megan that they're not designating a charity of choice anymore right Mm
1: -hmm. well but it has to always be top of mind i think that's the challenge is that how are you going to be the charity that that employee chooses because there's so many that are competing for their demands and guess what if you're in my facebook feed with relevant content, I'm going to be more likely to to think of you when I'm, you know, designating my employee giving or whatever my opportunity might be, whether it's through my employer or through something else that's consumer facing. For example, here's a good example. Amazon just came out with this new program, this new platform called Smile, where you can designate a charity, use that platform and... point five percent of your purchase goes to that charity mm-hmm. well you're not reselecting that charity every time you could but most people aren't going to like i went in set my favorite favorite charity and now i shop there and forget about it but if i if you're not the charity mm-hmm. I'm, I'm choosing you're missing out
0: yeah no it's right and, and think about the ones that kind of percolate to the top here too in terms of the types of charities that we support but Michael I want to ask you a question because I don't know how much time we have left um Megan but I want to ask oh, Michael yeah. a juicy program. question yeah I have a question here about a program that occurred during your tenure at JDRF I don't know whether you were directly involved in the program or not um but I write a blog, as you know, called Selfish Giving, and I wrote a post on a partnership that uh, JDRF had with Kentucky Fried Chicken. And this post that I wrote, Michael, was my most popular post ever on my blog. I got... Thousands of retweets and shares and comments. I had several hundred comments on there. And then it went over to HuffPost and it got thousands of shares and comments there too.
2: Oh, I, I'm, I'm familiar with what you did <laughs> for it. <laughs>
0: and, it's, and, and, and it was called KFC Shows They Don't Give a Clock this time with juvenile diabetes. And this was just to you know, let our listeners know, this was a program that was done with, I believe, just one location of Kentucky Fried Chicken in Utah. And what they offered was a, um, a mega jug uh, for two ninety nine, and then a portion of that, a dollar, went to JDRF. And, you know, I wrote about it because I thought it seemed kind of off <laughs> as a program. <laughs> and I was wondering, you know, as someone who was an insider at the time, what you what was your perspective on that program? And just so you know, listeners, I will highlight this in the show notes so that uh, you'll have a link to this original post.
2: Right, and, and I think in your original post, you had a beautiful picture yes. of the KFC <laughs> with that sign that said, buy a giant uh, soda and a dollar goes to... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Diabetes yeah right. well you, you know Joe as you can imagine when when you're dealing with uh, large organizations uh, you you try to control as much as as you can, and at that time uh, we did have a partnership uh with that group that uh, uh, owned kFC uh, mm-hmm. in in certain sections of the of the uh, country. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, what we tried to do is, you know, we had our own promotions mm-hmm. uh, with the organization where they helped us promote our events and, and drive people to participate and to donate in store. Uh, at the same time, Uh, the organizations also were looking toward the local franchisees and store managers to come up with their own ideas. So, as you said, this was only one store uh, that came up with this idea to help raise money. So their, their intentions were good. Uh, unfortunately, the, uh, uh, the avenue that they chose uh, was sort of contrary when you consider that uh, JD, JDRF uh, uh, Juvenile Diabetes uh, is fighting diabetes and they're, you know, marketing a giant soda. Right, right, um, right. I uh, mean, what I
0: really learned out of that, Michael and Megan, though, was it was interesting, too, because most of the comments that I had on my blog, and especially on Huffington I Post, were critical of me because yep. I did not know the difference between type yep. 1 and type 2 diabetes, which I didn't. I, and, right, you know, and I—,
2: I I, I was gonna I was gonna comment on that too, Joe. Is is that uh, JDRF, which is focused on uh, type one diabetes, is completely different than type two diabetes. Right. Uh, type one diabetes, uh, being uh, uh, where a person is insulin dependent because their pancreas has shut down, mm-hmm. uh, has nothing to do with the. Uh, um, intake of their diet, whether it's uh, uh, sugar-free or right. soda, uh, it, it's it's a, a different than type 2 diabetes. You know, so, it was interesting so, in
0: writing about it, though, because when people were critical of me on that, and I understood uh, my own stupidity on that, but I, I think what I also <laughs> came back, though, is I said to these people, it said, but aren't I like many consumers who come through the door and just look at this and shake their head yeah. in disgust? I mean, doesn't it on a level still not pass the smell test of a
2: cause-marketing partnership? Uh, you're absolutely right. And, and one thing that I know, uh, and I can speak from my own experience uh, while being at JDRF, is that we always tried, especially with national partnerships where you were talking about hundreds or thousands of locations, is that when new ideas to raise money were brought up is that they did need to be approved by the organization so that uh, uh, a well-meaning person or individual might not recognize where it's, it's from a, uh, a, a PR standpoint could be derogatory to, toward the organization. So, and, and I'm sure that many organizations have uh, had to deal with those situations. Well, that's the and, thing. I mean, and- just
0: um, over over Thanksgiving. Um, and you know about this, Megan, Walmart had this snafu at an, uh, an Ohio store where they were having a food drive for their employees. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and it's just once, you know, it's just one store. And like I said, the problem is, is that social media makes this stuff take off. That was what and, I was just going to say. And, yeah. Yep. And we look at this stuff and, you know, and when, the, you know, within the context of giving, uh, Walmart is pretty generous. I mean, I think Walmart gives four to five percent of its pre-tax profits. Whereas most organizations only give one percent, McDonald's fine. only gives point thirty two percent. People see that and you know and and we see it too even on nine eleven every year where people have inappropriate forms of cause marketing and you know they are trying to be well intentioned, but it becomes yeah. it comes across very insensitively.
2: Yeah and 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 as i said Joe you know it's something that especially with your larger organizations uh is the effort to try and manage those relationships so that you don't run into those uh again negative uh uh campaigns that can that are well meaning but can backfire mm-hmm. uh uh, on you and uh, and that 's why there are people that are experts in those areas uh, that help set up and create those promotions so that they they do achieve uh, what was intended from from the beginning. And, uh, uh, you know, so it's like that with whether it's sponsorship or online donations, whatever it might be, is that uh, you you really do need to make sure you have somebody or a group that uh, is well versed in those areas before you jump into something with both feet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it speaks to monitoring, too, uh, you know, that you really have to pay attention to what's happening out there.
1: Well, and I think, I mean, I think this whole conversation has sort of just come full circle because we started out talking about how much, you know, the nonprofit field and fundraising has changed. And, you know, if I'm not... Mistaken, Joe. That whole blog post wasn't. Didn't somebody send you, tweet you that picture? Isn't that how yeah. that whole thing started? So you yeah. know, d- again, speaking to the power of social media, you know, and and just mm-hmm. how much things are changing. And you know, it sounds like you, Michael, are uh, you know right in the thick of all of that and kind of keeping your your eye on the pulse. So we appreciate you coming on the show and sharing some of your insights with us and some of your experience. And we hope you'll keep us posted. Um, in the meantime, if people want to find out more about you, how might they do that?
2: Um, well, they can certainly go to LinkedIn, which uh, uh, they can find me there, or uh, they could just email me directly. And uh, my email is fairly simple. It's uh, my first name, Michael, and my last name, Malakoff, M-A-L-E-K-O-F-F, and that's at me.com. com. Very good. That is excellent. A Thank you one. so much.
1: And we'll include that, uh, one of those at least, in the show notes. And Joe, where can people find more about you if they'd like to read about the JDRF post that you did or other fabulous things you're working on now?
0: Well, we'll include a link to that in the show notes. And uh, people can find me at the newly redesigned SelfishGiving.com website. I hope you'll check that out. Uh, You can find me minute to minute on Twitter at Joe Waters. And, of course, check out my Pinterest boards. I'm doing a contest right now on the top uh, 2013 cause marketing campaigns. I would love people's feedback on them. And you can check out a Christmas holiday board, too. What about you, Megan? Where can people find you?
1: I am also on Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF and also blog for the Cause Marketing Forum at CauseUpdate.com, and occasionally I try to keep up with Joe on Pinterest, but it doesn't usually work.
0: Uh, It doesn't work. You can
1: also find (laughs) Cause Talk Radio on Stitcher Smart Radio as well as iTunes. We do encourage you to give us a thumbs up on Stitcher if you like this episode or give us a comment on iTunes and make sure you do subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And on behalf of Joe and Michael and myself, we'd like to thank you for joining us today for Cause Talk Radio. We'll see you next time.